we're talking about peace. Peace, which we're going to get into in a couple of minutes, what the Bible means about peace. Um, but we're in a sermon series, This Is the Way, which is, oh man, I messed it up already. This is the way. And if you're online, it has to be T-I-T-W because ain't nobody got time to type that out. We'll be three points later. All the Mandalorian fans know exactly what we're talking about. And I had a little Grogu show up on my doorstep for Christmas. I don't know who it came from. So if you want to let me know um, offline, can you let me know? I was going to have him make an appearance, but then they would just be a distraction the whole time. So Grogu's not here. Um, but that aside, Mando is great. But followers of Jesus, we, did you know we were originally called followers of the way? So really, it's a return to what we were called first. Anyway, there's followers of the way. And, and this sermon series is doing something a little bit unique insofar as we are making clear there is a way. Right? There, there is a way. There's a, right, there's a right way. And there's a not so right way. And I, and I was thinking of like, hey, what are some like, what's some examples? What do, what do I talk about? It's like, for all my people that love sushi. It, yeah, yes, yeah. Where's your favorite sushi place? Mine's Tomo here in Glassboro. Yes. But I know there are others because Voorhees isn't close to Glassboro, put them in the comments, and I'm going to be taking notes later, and we're going to do a sushi tour. However, you might be sitting here, and you're like, mm, no. And, and you're like, hey, Barry, I don't like sushi. And I would say, really? Have you had it before? And if you tell me, I've had it before, I, I got it from that Sunoco on 73, and it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't so good. Or... This might offend some. But like buffet sushi, it ain't the same. So like there's a way, like you're, you're, you're eating sushi, but it just ain't the right way. And, and I also thought of that place in Florida, Disney World. Disney World, where, where someone's like, hey, I, I went, but like the, like the food wasn't good. That food wasn't that good down there. Or like the lines were, were too long. It was just overwhelming. And then you, you find out they, they didn't consult anyone about the trip. They didn't plan one meal, right? They didn't talk to my in-laws about, hey, what do you do? How do you hit all the things you need to see? And not just my in-laws, there are professionals, right? Facebook groups and websites dedicated to doing Disney World the right way. Now, is following Jesus the same as Disney World and sushi? No. However, there's a point in there. Right? There's, there's a certain essence, there's a certain element of exclusivity to following Jesus. Now, exclusivity does not mean bigoted, and it doesn't mean prejudiced. It does not. I'm drawing a picture. We, as your pastors, we are drawing attention to, hey, this is the way. Maybe you're a little bit off. Hey, this is the way. Thank you, Dylan. So, that is the point of the sermon series. And week one, we did This is Fruit. And the main thing I need you to remember about week one, if you didn't watch week one, um, go back and watch it. It is, um, it's very important. Week one, we talked about fruit of the spirit. Galatians tells us it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And here's the working definition. Fruit of the spirit is the byproduct 
of the presence of God in your life. It's important because I'm going to reference it as we go. Week two, we talked about this is love, which was just last week. Pastor Mike talked about five different points. God is the only source of love. We can't love unless we know God. If you know God, you have to love. Hate hides God. God has to love you before you can love someone else. And so today I'm taking us on a little bit of a journey. It's not a straightforward one, two, three, but instead we can't really talk about peace until we understand what abiding is. We can't really talk about peace until we talk about what fruit is. And those parts of the, the message today, I'm going to hopefully bring you along because we are going somewhere. That I do know. If it's good or not, time will tell. But I know I'm taking us there on this journey. There are ways to bear fruit in your life. There are ways to bear the fruit of peace in your life. So first thing, what is peace? Peace is a big deal in scripture. 420 sometimes peace is mentioned. Webster will tell us peace is, I get it right, freedom from civil disturbance or a state of security provided by law. Scripture tells us it's completeness, it's wholeness, shalom, peace, completeness and wholeness. And who are we talking about? John 14 tells us, hey, we're talking about Jesus. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. That's Jesus talking to you. Jesus himself, he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. And, and we, can, we can say that peace is whole and complete, not because of you or not even because of your trust. It's because of the source. The source of peace, he is whole. The source of peace, he is complete. And so point one today, fruit is the result of the root. Fruit is the result of the root. Week one, we talked from John 15 verses, I think Pastor Mike did 1 through 17, which is amazing. I'm going to do verses 1 through 11. And you could study these 11 verses, I mean, for probably years. There's so much in here that I won't be able to tackle. But we are going to read verses 1 through 11 in its entirety. If you have it, you can read along with me. Or if you actually want to close your eyes while I read it, that's a little different uh, wrinkle. Hopefully uh, it stays in there. Track with me. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove 
to be my disciples as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his, his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen. We, that is dense. There's, there's so many there's so many things in there. Just a couple observations. Who's the hero of that story? Jesus. The, the, the hero of this story is Jesus. And spoiler, the, the hero of every story is Jesus. And, and for us, talking about a vine might actually make a little bit of sense to us. Some of us might be, um, have like a garden right? We're actually in a pretty rural area here. South Jersey still has some rural areas. I don't know if you're a professional farmer, but for these people, the people he's talking to, it wasn't just that they were well acquainted with agriculture. It's bigger than that. The people they were talking to, they identified themselves as the vine. Before Jesus came, Jewish, the Israelites, they thought they were the vine. They did. And before you say, oh man, how could, they, how could they be so confused? Who, who here doesn't struggle with some self-centeredness? Who, who here doesn't put ourselves in the middle of every story as, most often, if you're like me, uh, the hero? That's, just, that's usually what I do. And I'm here to burst that bubble today with a smile, with a little bit of a push, a little bit of conviction. Jesus is the hero of this story. Another observation, fruit is evidence. Fruit is evidence of kingdom living. Fruit is evidence. It ain't a curse word, folks. Fruit, evidence, proof that you follow Jesus, that you follow the way, it is not a curse word. Don't shy away from it. As Pastor Mike said in week check. So how do we know? How do we know if the fruit in our lives, how do we know the things that we're developing, the things that are coming from, how do we know if they're actually any good? Because we know not all fruit is good fruit. Not all fruit is good fruit. Jesus, consistently in Scripture, he corrected the Pharisees over and over again. Was it because they weren't doing works? Was it because they weren't producing fruit? No, they were producing fruit where the root was self-effort. Where? Can you point to, in your life, you have fruit, and it might be fancy, and it might be colorful, and it might even look good, and others might be like, hey, you're really, I really appreciate this about you. But if it's rooted in self-effort, it's actually not good. Crazy part, we don't know the difference. I, I, I can't see you and, and see fruit and be like, hey, you have 10 pieces of fruit, but that one... Yeah, it's rooted in self-effort. I'm on to you. Because really, this, a fruit check, is a, that's, a, that's between you and the Holy Spirit alive in this here soul of yours. Fruit is evidence. And, and I have a, I think the right word, the right phrase is like, I have a sense of urgency. I have a sense of urgency for this fruit of peace today. And I, I, I'm, I'm on purpose, I'm trying to communicate that 
I'm trying to make sure that when you, when you hear me, you're picking up that there is a sense of urgency on this message today. Um, and, it's, and it starts with holding to, abiding. There's an urgency to abide in Jesus. That's where the urgency lies. And so point two today is hurry up and wait. Point two, hurry up and wait. And I know this secondhand because I have not served in the military. But I know this is a common phrase in the military. And for all those that have served this country, we say thank you. We honor you. And we're grateful uh, for a sacrifice that we actually get to do what we're doing today insofar as meeting in public. Thank you. But I don't know what it's like in that context of hurry up and wait. But, but when I said it, there were some chuckles, right? So I doubt all of you guys are in military or have experience with it, but it means something to you. So whatever your application is, keep it. You can use like the DMV came to mind. But then if you work at the DMV, I didn't want to, I didn't, it's not, I'm not here to, I want to push and step on toes like in a spiritual way, not your, how you make a living. And I was, I was thinking about for my, my current spot, I have to hurry up and get um, paperwork in on time just to wait to see, like, one, if they got it, or two, they got the right things, or I have to reproduce it for a fifth time. How many times do I have to give you the same information to make sure my home is suitable for little ones? <sighs> hurry up and wait. So hurry up, hold to the vine. Hurry up. Are you ready for this one? Hurry up and repent. I don't mean hurry up, quickly repent, because that's ah, touchy. I, I don't mean that. I mean be quick. Be quick to hurry up. Luke 3 says, bear fruit, hello, bear fruit in keeping, in keeping with repentance. Bearing and keeping. Bearing, there's bearing fruit. You're going to bear spiritual fruit, fruit of the Spirit, while you keep repenting. It is not one and done. It is not one and done. We should, be, we should be repentance leaders. Maybe, maybe, maybe that would change some things if we, we didn't go after a, a title of like worship leader or pastor. What if we're like repentance leaders? That, we might see some more fruit that way. There's, um, there's an element to repenting. Can I keep it there? I said this wasn't going to be about worship, but lo and behold, we're there. There's something about the repenting part. It is true and high praise. But you're not worshiping yourself. You're, you're, it's in recognition of God, of Jesus, Holy Spirit, three in one. There's a recognition. There's a recognition there. Let's be people. Let's be quick. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hold to Jesus. Hurry up and repent. And then I say, Wait. Then I'm saying, wait. Abiding in Jesus, holding to Jesus, there's an element of waiting that we can't rush, that we can't ignore. But instead, I, I encourage the waiting because uh, waiting is not wasted because of who you're waiting with. You're not even waiting for, right? It's not like, hey, you're waiting for Jesus to show up somewhere which we're going to get to in a couple minutes, it's not that. You're actually waiting with him. Think about the person you love waiting with. Mine is my wife. 
I can literally wait anywhere with her. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's one of your kids. I, I don't know. It's a stretch, unless you're an adult kid. As my little one screams in the back right now. There's something about waiting with who you're waiting with that it matters. So I'm saying today, hurry up and wait. Waiting is never wasted. And maybe you're, you feel like you're actually in a time of waiting. So online, do you, do you, talk to me. Do you feel like you're in a time of waiting? Give a hand, give a thumbs up. And here, I was thinking about there's areas of our lives. There's probably one or two areas we feel like we're, we are waiting. And to understand that we're waiting with someone. We're waiting with the person of Jesus. That's why I'm saying today, hurry up and you wait with him. And then can I go super practical for one minute? Thank you. While you wait, will you let the Holy Spirit, let the Spirit of God redeem some spiritual disciplines? I, there's not a hidden list. For those that feel like they're stuck or like a little bit frustrated with a certain spiritual discipline, and I don't want to be cryptic. I mean praying. I mean like reading the Bible, um, journaling, meditation. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. You might feel like you're frustrated somewhere, and, I, and I'm saying let one area be redeemed while you're waiting. Maybe it is actually reading scripture and you've always only read by yourself. Exclusively, since you are however old, or if you're a brand new follower of Jesus, you just read by yourself. Maybe you bring one or two people into it. Maybe the opposite is true. I'm saying let a spiritual discipline be redeemed while you are waiting. There's a result. There, there's a result to this. And, and I want to be um, loving, and I want to be really clear all at the same time. When, when you have spiritual disciplines that are redeemed, right? Like maybe for prayer, you've always locked yourself in a closet and just prayed. And then um, I, I suggest, if there's frustration there, that you pray while walking. And... Um, this here, at this building, there's like seven acres back there, and um, I've never walked and prayed before I came here, and I do it um, all the time, because it's a little bit different, but that, that has been redeemed. It's gone from a locked away by myself, it's gone from frustrating to actually fueling. Can I stick with two Fs? It's gone from frustrating to fueling. I actually can't wait to go leave my phone in this place, I'm going to go pray, while I walk and while I see and I get distracted, yep, I do. Because there's like birds and, and saw a big bird have a raccoon the other day and I was like, how's he carrying that in the air? But that's what, nature. That's just what happens. My point. There's something changes when disciplines get redeemed. And my word for this past week has been, I'm trying not to be cryptic with anything. So when I say things change, I mean your character might change. Your character. When I, when I mean character, I, I mean like your, your moral firmness, your moral excellence. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Your character may change. Your character isn't sacred. Your soul is sacred. Your character should be changing. 
Your character should be changing and evolving. Things should just not really mark you anymore that they used to, and they could be good things. They don't have to be bad things. They could be um, so-so good things because the Spirit of God is doing a work in you. He's making space. He's pruning. The verse just told us he prunes us. Those that are in and abiding in him, he prunes. Prunes me. He cuts them off so that more can grow. So let, let that work happen. And I, I want to challenge us today. I want to push us today with, with some urgency. While you're going through this change, while character is changing, don't hold on to character. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to the person of Jesus. Don't hold on to your skills. Don't hold on to your talents. Don't hold on to your hurt. Don't hold on for dear life to your politics. Don't hold on for dear life to tradition. Where else can I go? Where, yeah, we don't hold, hold on to Jesus. Don't hold on to comfort. Hold on to Jesus. In him, he will dictate all of those things. He will dictate all of those things. When those things are time, you can have confidence it's from him because you're in him. We abide in a person and not a circumstance. We abide in a person, not in a circumstance. So I want to finish today with a third point that's almost like a sermon in itself because it kind of is, and it's absent versus present. That's what I'm titling point three, absent versus present. We talked about at the top, peace is not the absence of disturbance. It's the wholeness and completeness of Jesus. And we're going to read a whole chunk of scripture now. It's a few verses long. And I want you to keep that in mind while we read it. Now, this story, just like the first one, is packed. It's packed with a lot of good things. But we're going to read. It's Mark 6, 45 through 52. And keep in mind, peace is not the absence of a storm. Peace is Jesus in a storm. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat. Immediately, it means um, right away. He just got done doing the feeding the 5,000. Five loaves, two fish. That was the miracle that just got done going down, okay? Get into the boat, go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. The thousand, it was 5,000 people that were counted, which is traditionally men, so add wives and family. It was way more than 5,000. Jesus is dismissing that crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up, Onto the mountain to pray. I think if I saw a part of a miracle like that, I'd be high fiving for a while. I'd be like, yo, did you? What does Jesus do? He goes in solitude to pray to connect with the Father. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea. So when, it, when night comes the first time, the boat that the disciples are in is, he sees them. Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. It means they weren't getting anywhere. They were up against waves and a storm. 
And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Fourth watch, anytime between 3 and 6 a.m. So it wasn't right when night came. So are you telling me Jesus sees his disciples in a battle, fighting a storm, and he doesn't come right away? This is what it looks like. It looks like he sees you in the middle of your storm. It looks like Jesus is well aware and he sees you. His heart is stirred towards you, but he sees you. This is good. Fourth watch, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out, for they all saw him and they were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. He got into the boat with them. The wind ceased. They were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. Culture will tell you, verse 51, culture will tell you that this is peace. He got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. We don't call that peace. We call verse 50 peace. This is what we call peace. Immediately, he spoke to them and he said, take heart. Don't be afraid. It is I. That's what we call peace. And anybody ever read that he meant to pass by them before and wonder what that is? Because I did. I did. I'm like, what do you mean? You're going to pass by him, like sneak by him, like... Sometimes we do when we're driving, we see somebody we could possibly, hey, you all right? But we're like, I'm going 50, so we just keep going. It's not that. Jesus went to go by them. He wanted to demonstrate something. He wanted to demonstrate his divinity. He wanted to say, men, do you see me? I'm in charge of nature. The word used here is, it actually references way back when Moses, remember when Moses asked God, God, can you show me your glory? And God's like, you'll... I love your heart. I'm paraphrasing, Moses. But you can't see me. You'll go down. Hide in the cleft of the rock. I'll pass by you, and I'm going to reveal my glory to you. It's the same word. Jesus wants to reveal his divinity, his otherness to you in a storm. These people in this boat, they were exhausted. They've been, tr- they've been trying. And you could just imagine what that picture is. You can make your own conjecture. They were struggling. They were tired. Of course, they thought it was a ghost. They're hallucinating. They they haven't eaten for a long time, and it is hard. This situation is difficult. And yet, this part of Scripture, this part is amazing to me. This story is mentioned in three out of the four Gospels. Out of the three, only one mentions Peter. Right? Right? where Peter steps out of the boat and walks on the water. Now, if you saw one of your friends walk on water, what do you think the main part of the story would be like that you would write down for the history books? Wouldn't you think to a person, like, hey, hey, my buddy, he walked on water. That's because that's crazy. But guess what? Could it be that Jesus, the hero of this story. All three mentioned Jesus was walking on the water. He showed up to us and he calmed the storm. One mentioned Peter. All three said Jesus revealed 
himself to us in a storm? Yo, he's exactly who he said he is. What if, just like the story of the vine earlier, Jesus is the vine. He's the hero of that story. This storm that we find ourselves in, Jesus is the hero of this story, just like it was in these Gospels. Wait, our family in Voorhees just got done singing Oceans. Uh-oh. What, what, do we, what, do we, what do we do with that, pastor? When do we know? When do, you, when do you step out of the boat? Or when, I'm presenting today, when do you know stay in the boat? What if staying in the boat is not a negative thing? What if it's appropriate? Not just appropriate, what if it's God-honoring, staying in the boat? When is, God, help me walk upon the water, when is that the right time? And listen to me, if you are not found abiding in Jesus, I don't know what to tell you. That's harsh coming from me. That's as harsh as I get currently. But I also mean it at the same time. I actually don't know. I don't, I don't know. And think about the people that surround you. That they don't, they don't know, can I use that? They don't know Jesus currently. Well, are, are they knowing the peace of Jesus by how they interact with you? Are they seeing the fruit of peace in your life, even if they don't have a reference point for it, but you do? And so back to it, what do we do? I'm saying when Jesus is the hero of you stepping out upon the water, and when Jesus is the hero of you staying in the boat, you're good. You're good. Could you, could you like Peter, look at the wind and the waves and crash into Jesus, have to come down and grab you? Yep, that might happen. And your people, your community... Here in the boat, we're going to be, one, cheering you on. And then also, we are going to be reminding you of something. Hey, Peter, hey, crazy man, keep your eyes on Jesus. And us in the boat, what are we saying? Let us not be the one that is surprised that Jesus is around. Think about this. He meant to pass by. His plan was to reveal himself. They didn't understand. They thought he was a ghost. They did not understand what he was revealing. Could you imagine Jesus' heart in that moment where he's like a ghost? Come on. Come on, guys. That's not me. Let's, let's be a people we understand. And we all in the boat, we're saying, hey, Jesus, his presence is here. His spirit is here. His peace is in us. His love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, his faithfulness, his self-control. All of those things, they are here. Guys, remember. You want to know why we gather? This is why. We remember we re- remind each other, hey, remember that Jesus, he is in this storm. <sighs> Jesus calms the storm after he says, I am. That's when the storm stops. Often we want Jesus from the mountain. Can you just stop this storm and then, yes, come talk to us. But he says, I'm... Um, That's not the answer. I am the answer. And so here is my ending encouragement. Bear the fruit of peace in your life when you hold on to Jesus for dear life. I'm going to say it really quiet to give a contrast, so hopefully it sticks. You bear the fruit of peace in your life when you hold on to Jesus for dear life. 
whether you find yourself walking on the water, shout out to Voorhees when you sing this, if you sing it at the end, sing it with all you have. You hear me? You sing it. And if you know people currently on the water in no man's land, you better be praying for them. You better be reminding them, hey, eyes on Jesus. I don't know what it's like out there. And for those in the boat, hey, stay in the boat. Where's your attention? A wind and the waves are there. They may even increase. I don't, we don't care. I don't care. I'm saying Jesus, his fruit and his peace, they are here. Now, I want you guys to join me. I'm going to pray before we go on to the next part, before I hand it over to leadership in Voorhees. I want to pray for one thing, and I'm going to pray um, that the, the point about Jesus I don't know what to tell you, that, that whole part. I don't know what to tell you if you're not abiding, if you're not with Jesus. I, I want to be even more loving than that. If that is you, that changes right now at 11.03 a.m. on January 24th. We're praying for salvation, that the Holy Spirit has touched lives in living rooms, in apartments, even at work, in Voorhees, in Seoul, wherever this, go, wherever this goes. West Coast our watch party in L.A., wherever. So close your eyes with me and pray. Father, there are hearts listening and or watching that they know you are doing something in their heart and in their spirit. And what it is, you are drawing them to yourself. And they want to hold to you. They want to hold on to you. They want to abide in you. And you have orchestrated all these moving pieces for this moment to bring a child, to bring a kid, to bring a man or a woman or a young man or a young woman back into your family the way you originally have it designed. Returning to the love that you have for us. And so as we pray as a church, for those... And I use that picture, Father, with the, those of us in the boat. The person on the waves, we're praying for them. Let them stay focused with their eyes on you. Us in the boat, we are saying, God, can you bring these people back to you? And if that is, pray this with me. You say, please forgive me for my sin. Jesus, please forgive me for being self-centered. And Jesus, I turn to you for dear life. Wash me. Encourage me. And guide me for the rest of my days in the name of Jesus. And as a church, collectively, in Voorhees and school and online, wherever we find ourselves, we say, as a church, let it be. So let it be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.